Welcome along to this bite-sized edition of Tax and Lunch. Thanks for joining me. I'm Vincent Lachardi. You're listening to the podcast for tax advisors to high net worth individuals, wealthy family groups and private clients. I'm really excited that you're joining me for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your team so they can also gain the inside perspective. Let's listen in. came to my mind probably around three or four weeks ago when I saw that the ATO published on its website an article about its compliance activities for private groups. And what they had found was that in many instances, FTE and IEE rules were not being complied with. And the practical consequence for that for many clients will be that they can be subject to the uh, family trust distribution tax, And as a a consequence of that, almost half the tax will be payable on any distribution, almost as if it was a penalty. And we'll talk about that uh, shortly. I found that it's a widely misunderstood area of law. So I'm hoping to simplify some of the, uh, the, the context and rules for you today, and then you can use those in your practices. Now, some first principles. Everything that I'm going to say in the context of FTEs and IEEs are all subject to what you can do based on your trust deed. So if you can't do something under your trust deed, for example, if your class of beneficiaries is narrow, having an FTE or IEE in place does not enable you to do things under the deed that you are otherwise not entitled to do or the trustee is not otherwise entitled to do. And for that reason, it's crucial that you read the trustee and reread the trustee and have a read of it again. In particular, if you've got small business concession issues, rollovers, we'll touch on some of that briefly, uh, but it's absolutely crucial. And I'll just make that point again, everything that I'm going to say today in the context of these elections does not displace your deed, does not change the rules under your deed. Uh, and lastly, Just bear in mind that if you have any distributions that are outside what the trustee can do under the trustee, then it is possible, subject to the default beneficiary rules in your deed, that you will either be subject to a section 99 or 99A assessment or the family trust distribution tax. You'll see what is a pretty standard discretionary trust clause as to the class of beneficiaries. So it is very wide, includes almost everyone within the family group, both the nuclear family and the broader family. And you'll see here that the Mary Family Trust in that context, with no FTE in place, the pool of beneficiaries is incredibly broad. And to emphasise that point, the Mary Family Trust can probably distribute to anyone in the, at the MCG. Now, the, the trade-off that I've touched on previously when I circulated the material for this particular presentation is that the tax law says, we will give you some concessions under the tax law, but the trade-off is that you can't distribute to anyone at the MCG. Your class of beneficiaries is narrowed. And that's crucial. And we'll see the consequence of that in a second. So you'll see here some of the concessions 
are access to simpler trust loss tests and deduction tests and access to the continuity of ownership test for companies. So the family trust election means that the ultimate beneficiaries of the family trust can be tested for the purpose of the continuity of ownership test, the COT test. If you fail the COT test, you've obviously got the SBT, uh, but the first concession that you get is access to simpler loss tests. If you don't have an FTE in place, and we'll talk about circumstances where you might not need one anyway, the simpler loss tests mean that you generally only have to satisfy a modified income injection test. Now, I won't go into the specific details of the individual test today because I don't have enough time, but suffice to say, the loss tests are much, much more simplified and easier for the trust to satisfy if you have an FTE. Second, if you have an FTE in place, the family trust and then ultimately its beneficiaries will satisfy the 40 or 90 day holding rule for franking credits. So if you want to have uh, access to franking credits at the beneficiary level, you must have an FTE in place. Uh, access to the 328G small business reconstruction rollover relief. Uh, you cannot access that in the context of a trust without an FTE in place because the trust needs to be a family trust for tax purposes. And lastly, not usually a big deal, uh, but you have simpler reporting requirements within the family group. Now, the question then becomes, if I put an FTE in place, who can I actually distribute to if I'm the trustee? And that is why this particular slide and the group that I've got here is crucial. And what you will see is when you do an FTE, you'll see Mary in the middle. So now we start to get into our characters. So Mary is the test individual. So for those of you who have done an FTE before, you will know that when you fill in the form that you lodge with the ATO or you complete the tax return, you have to specify someone as the test individual. It will tend to be the patriarch or the matriarch of the group, but that's crucial as to who you choose because once you've chosen someone, you generally cannot change them. So it's, it's set in stone for good. We'll talk about some circumstances where you can adjust it. But once you've done your FTE, the family group, so the individuals that you can distribute to as the trustee is based on who you choose as the test individual. So here, Mary, you can distribute to her, obviously. You could distribute to Mary's children and grandchildren. So we had Michael and Noah. Mary could also have distributed to Samuel, her father, obviously he's deceased, so she can't now, but he would be part of the group if he was alive. And Mary can also uh, distribute to Joe, her brother. And you'll see in this circumstance, all of, the, all of the classes that are on this slide, you can also distribute to their spouse. Now, when you do an FTE, the following uh, individuals and entities are part of the family group. So there's all the individuals on the slide. There's any further 
family trusts that Mary is the specified individual for. So that family trust joins the group. Any companies, trusts and partnerships where any of those individuals and their companies, trusts and partnerships have a 100% fixed interest in. So in effect, any wholly owned companies, trusts and partnerships also form part of the group and charities do as well. But this is where we start to get into the interposed entity election. And what you will see here is that the, an IAE might be made for Joe's family trust to join Mary's group. So Joe's family trust already has an FTE in place. That would mean as a starting point, Joe's trust is not part of Mary's group. But Joe's trust can do the interposed entity election to join Mary's group. So the simple way that I think about these things with FTEs and IEEs is that the FTE defines the humans in the group. The IEE defines the non-humans, the companies, trusts and partnerships. They join the group. But bear in mind, and this is a little bit technical, that if Mary owns 100% of the shares in a company, that company is automatically part of the family group. Now, a couple of crucial points. The test individual has to be living at the time the election is made. And once they die, that test individual for that family trust can never be changed. So the test individual remains the same, but it can never be changed. Um, and I, I just urge you to have a think about when you're either setting up the client's business, it might be run initially through a family trust and then it might grow, you, or you might have a, a property trust, for example. You have to really consider what's the longevity of this trust? What's the objective? What's the future look like? Could it be a trust that a son or a daughter might take over? Could it be a trust that uh, perhaps a, a cousin or the spouse of someone within the family might take over as part of either the family planning, estate planning, or passing on that wealth. Because once that test individual has been selected, you will see that it narrows what the next generation can do. And it's only a matter of time from a, a legislative perspective that this issue comes home to roost. Because there'll be many clients who have had family trust elections in place they were the test individual for a long period of time, perhaps 20 or 25 years. They're either retiring from the business, perhaps they're deceased, and then the next generation is gonna be stuck with a much narrower pool of beneficiaries. And just lastly, there's no limitation on the tax residency of the individual. So you could, if you wanted to pick a patriarch of a group who's a non-resident for Australian tax purposes, but they're establishing an Australian trust for their children who live here. Now, making an FTE. I, I just wanna to touch on, to give you a sense, the actual rules for making an FTE approximately 10 or 12 subsections. So I'm not gonna go into each of those in 
forensic detail today, but I just want to highlight the key points for you. So the, the trust itself must select the individual and an income year from which the election will apply. And we'll talk about that in a second. The trust must pass the family control test at the end of the relevant income year. Now put simply, the family control test in the context of the FTE itself is where that family group that we were just touching on before, that family group controls or has a beneficial interest in 100% of the income and capital of that trust. There's some additional rules for interposed entity elections where the threshold is set at 50%, uh, but by and large, it looks at control, who can change trustee, etc. In the context of FTEs, and in most circumstances for clients, if your client, if it's their family trust, they will most likely be able to make an FTE for that particular trust. And then obviously you have to lodge the required form with the ATO, absolutely crucial. You have to pass the family control test at the end of the income year. So you may have a scenario where you think, my client's gonna make a truckload of money, gosh, I wish we had a bucket company. You establish the bucket company, you distribute your income to the bucket company, um, but you either um, didn't have an FTE in place at the right time, or that bucket company may not have been wholly owned by the family group and needed to do an interposed entity election. You cannot do that during the financial year. You have to wait till after the end of the financial year before you can actually make the election. And it's quite possible that if you did the election during the financial year and then sort of put it in the drawer and didn't think about it, it's quite possible that for many years after the fact, you may not actually have a valid FTE or IE in place. So long as you don't have a company involved, then the tax will be capped at 47% because income that is subject to the family trust distribution tax is nanny income. Whereas if you have a company involved, getting it out, you're gonna pay additional tax and you lose your franking credits. So you can have a scenario where a company might be taxed 70 or 80% on the single dollar of income that's distributed. Now, I just wanna leave you today with some tips. Everyone should be checking what FTEs and IEEs they have in place for their client group, particularly clients who they have family trusts holding shares in a company. Absolutely, you're not gonna get your franking credits, subject to the point that was raised earlier about the $5,000 de minimis. You should be looking at that. If your family trust has losses, unit trust has losses, you should be checking your FTEs in these elections every year to make sure, certain that what you're permitted to do is actually allowable and it's not gonna cause your client a huge tax liability where half the tax, uh, half the income is going in family trust distribution tax. Someone asked this question before, do you actually need to do the elections at all? Well, you might pass all the normal loss tests. You might not have franking credits. And then you don't necessarily need to do these elections. It's not something you must do. And it's definitely something though that you should be thinking about in particular as your family groups grow.
what their investments are, etc. What was good five years ago may no longer be good anymore. Have you got the right test individual? If this is a trust that's being set up for the next 100 years, sometimes I have that sort of discussion with clients, you need to be thinking about, have we got the right person in place? What, what might the group look like in a generation's time? You obviously can't project forward necessarily 100 years, but you do your best to approach the tax planning with some foresight. It's really important. You could be narrowing your, your client's children or grandchildren's way that they can distribute or use those assets. You can't make party elections, as we've discussed. We've already touched on some estate and wealth planning. Testators, family maintenance claims, really important as well if you have divorces, etc., as was touched on. And I'll just leave you with this point that the family members, you might have blended families or you might have some part of the group divorced, stepchildren, etc. What your clients consider the family may not necessarily be the family for tax purposes. 